Coming up on Chasing the Natty, the CFF season officially begins this week. Natty Chasers, let's ride. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. Again, welcome to our first Wednesday edition of Chase and Natty for the 2022 season. If you missed out on the last couple of CTN episodes, you're probably wondering why do we get a second CTN episode this week? Just a quick refresher, CTN is moving to two days a week. We are going to be releasing at our normal time on Monday. That'll be me and Nate Marquise. We'll be uh, going over waiver wires and recaps of the previous week. And then on Wednesdays, like today, you're going to have myself and our lovely Chris Moxley. And we're going to be giving you a preview of the upcoming week. We'll be doing some sit starts every week. We'll be discussing the higher scoring games for the upcoming week. And then this week, we're going to discuss a little bit of the the depth chart chaos kind of going on throughout the CFB world. But before we get into that, Chris Moxley, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, fantastic. I'm just excited for more games this week. You know, we got a handful on Saturday. Yep. Uh, they were they were a ton of fun. But this week is when it really, really kicks off. You know, um, most weeks don't score week zero. Yep. So now you get actually into point scoring season and talk trash season. It's great. Yep, it is. It is officially go time. It like this is the week you have to remember Saturday morning to double check your lineups and make sure that you actually are starting the right people. And we'll get into some of that kind of stuff here as we get into it later. I say we just go ahead and get started after I give my little spiel here. So we are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It is myself, Chris Moxley, there across from me, as well as Nate Marquise and Brandon Sanders. In addition to our two new team members, Chris Kay and Ethan Sowers, who are heading up the CFB DFS edition for Campus to Canton. We got awesome stuff for you guys. We got podcasts like this one, Chasing Natty, as well as articles, rankings, including now weekly CFF rankings. Uh, you can go and get those on the website now. Uh, they were posted, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, they were posted yesterday. They will be updated throughout the week as we get more and more of our CFF experts to get in their weekly rankings. Absolutely use those to kind of break some ties whenever you're looking at sit-start discussions for yourself. Those are going to be excellent for you this upcoming week. And again, we got some great tools out there for you guys, great articles as well. And then while you're there, make sure to check out the rest of the awesome Campus of Canton lineup Again, Monday, you got myself with Chase and Natty. On Tuesdays, you got Campus Life with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. Uh, they do a great job over there. Wednesdays, you got Devi Debate on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. As well, on Wednesday, you have, again, the second episode of Chase and Natty. But you also have the Bet on C2C podcast with Brandon Sanders 
Ethan Sowers and Chris K. They do an awesome job over there. They cover all your betting needs, whether it be props or prize picks, whether it be uh, DFS needs. It'll also they're also covering uh, game spreads and over unders. They got it all over there for you guys. It's an excellent listen. Absolutely go check that out. And then on Thursdays you have the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, David Nipple on YouTube and podcast form now. You can also check out Canton Bound with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That is the NFL side of the Campus Canton podcast. And then in addition, on Fridays now, we have the Friday Night Light Show, um, which is head up by Matt uh, Bruning, the other Matt, as well as David Nipple. And they will be covering all of the high school football news that you would want to keep up with. If you are really looking forward to the 2023 class, absolutely go check that out. And then, yeah. Again, lots of great stuff for this upcoming year. And then on Saturdays, absolutely go check out our two live shows from Campus Ken that we'll be doing. I am a part of the morning, myself and Chris are part of the morning show with the tailgate. That is with also with Austin Nays, um, Colin Decker, and Matt Bruning. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be live for you guys every Saturday morning. And then the second half of the show will be more DFS betting based. And then absolutely check out the night show as well on Saturday nights. It's at 11 p.m. That is with Felix Sharp and College Fantasy Tonight, a sports center type show that recaps the events of the day. Absolutely check it out. It was a wonderful time this past week. And yeah, sorry, my brain is like half working today. Oh, yes. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and comment down below. And if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us and leave a five-star review if you are able to. Chris, my spiel has gone on long enough. Let's get into this. Let's talk yeah. about depth chart day. We could go over every nook and cranny of all the different depth charts that have kind of come out today. Most of them have been pretty much what we have expected. Some minor surprises here and there. Uh, Gyro Brock today on the Iowa State depth chart is all alone at the top of it. There is not really at the moment, according to the depth chart, really a threat from Cartavius Norton, at least to start the season. There's other minor things here and there. But Chris, what's your kind of thought process as you come out with all these depth charts? How much do you really pay attention to this? When when do you say is, what is the more important information to grab out of depth charts versus, versus others? The depth charts where teams have or for every single position like 15 times, I don't put a lot of stock in those because... I think you see guys who are actual starters just get hit with the or label for no reason yep. other than just teams toying with the public. Um, that's when I don't really pay attention, when there's obvious starters who are being labeled or. I pay attention when I think there's a legitimate battle mm-hmm. at or. So I think the Ole Miss step chart, which listed Altmeyer and Jackson Dart as ors, I think that's legit. Yeah. The where someone's actually listed at the top by themselves, I think that's legit as well. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not putting too much stock into these joke depth charts like Willie Taggart put out before the FAU game where almost every position was listed as or, including all-conference. Like, he had an all-conference, one of the best defensive ends in the country as like a or, or as a backup or whatever. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I... I've kind of gotten to the point where the ores are not really the story to me. It's more when there's a lack of ore. 
that becomes the story. Like you kind of mentioned before, whenever we see like a legit battle going on and then we get the depth chart and there's not an or next to whoever they've labeled as a starter, that to me is a big deal. Because that to me is saying them say like, all right, there is a clear difference between these two. We have made our decision going forward. If there's any kind of legitimate reason to put an or there, I feel like they would do that. Now, you do have some depth charts that just don't play the or game. Now, I appreciate those, but at the same time, it's almost the opposite side of the depth charts that have ors everywhere, where you're like, okay, is it just the way they do their depth charts, or is it really that every single one of these positions has a clear tier? We'll find, again, the great part about all this is that we're going to find out this weekend. Almost every single team plays this weekend, except for, I think, Northwestern and unlv because i think they both have week one buys everybody else is playing we'll have a great idea of what they actually look like in a game who actually gets the starts at all these different positions so again so many different storylines we could take this with but again we only have so much time so i think what i've asked chris and i to do is that we're going to talk about our biggest surprises the things that actually really took us aback when we saw these depth charts and we'll start with mine here and I picked the Alabama receiving depth chart, where you saw the started the starters listed at receiver, Jermaine Burton. No surprise there. On the opposite side at X, not Ja'Cory Brooks, not Tyra, Tyler Harrell, Treshawn Holden, starter at X for Alabama for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and then at slot, JoJo Earl is out. Maybe we thought Christian Leary might step up there. Maybe some, maybe Tyler Harrell moves over to the slot. Nope. It is true freshman Kobe Prentice who is getting the start at slot. And you might be asking yourself, well, where does that leave Ja'Cory Brooks? Ja'Cory Brooks was in line to start this year. He is backing up Treshawn Holden as, as of this moment on the Alabama depth chart. So, Chris, I'll ask you, do you believe this depth chart? I have no reason not to. Um, Treshawn Holden made a big name for himself in fall camp. And this might be veteran deference. I, I think that that's a, a school of thought. But I still don't think it's a good thing that Ja'Cory Brooks is listed on the second team. Like, he's on the two deep great, but I can't. I just can't imagine it's a good thing for Ja'Cory Brooks if he's not starting. That's, that's really the big takeaway for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, I believe that. I believe that Trayshawn Holden will get the first crack at that role. Whether or not he keeps the role, that is probably another conversation. I, I don't say, know that he's better than Jacory Brooks. That that that's my kind of deal with it. Because some people ask me earlier, they're like, "Is Holden worth a pickup?" I'm like, "Well, if you have just the bare bones idea of like he will be starting in that role that John Metchie yeah. had last year, then yes, there's going to be some value. But in terms of redraft, I have no clue how long that value is going to last." Again, Ja'Cory Brooks, even though he's starting behind Holden, still a very talented dude. Now, I, I'm i not going to pretend like I was super high on Brooks this entire year, but I wasn't expecting a guy like Holden to overtake him. I was expecting a guy maybe more along the lines of Tyler Harrell, whose super speed was a unique trait that would have made Alabama have an excellent weapon there at X. Again, he has been banged up, not been able to practice. There's a reason why he was knocked behind to the second team behind Jermaine Burton, who, again, pretty much this solidified to me that like my aggressiveness in trying to get Jermaine Burton over any other Alabama wide receivers over the past couple of months 
has kind of paid off here. Because, again, to me, he looks like the mainstay. I cannot see him losing out his job to even Tyler Harrell behind him. Ja'Cory Brooks could overtake Holden. JoJo Earl, when he comes back from injury, I think could easily overtake Kobe Prentice as as impressive as Kobe Prentice has been. I do think that Earl was always intended to be the guy there. So as long as Earl can get back to being healthy, I think Prentice's value is limited time for right now. We'll definitely see. Again, to me, again, again, maybe this is the dog speaking in me and everything, but like this feels like the weakest wide receiver room, at least starting the season, that Bama's had in a while. Because Bert, like Bert um, and... Yeah. Like, Rally, I, right? Unless, unless you foresaw the outbreak, outbreak, breakout of um, James Williams last yeah. year, I mean, that was a pretty weak room heading into it, too. I don't think John Mechie was, I think Jermaine Burton's better than John Mechie, and I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of surprise around Jameson, but I, I don't think this group's very good either. I, I I think that there's a lot, I don't think it's going to matter, ultimately, yeah. that it's not a good group. But They'll find their guys. Yeah, I I was surprised that everyone was drafting Tyler Harrell as high as they were all offseason. He always struck me as a bit player. I like I don't think he is would ever carve out a starting role. Um so I expect him to be on the field, but maybe like third twenty-five snaps a game, not like sixty-five. So uh, that was always a weird pick to me. But I do think Jojo Earl is probably in line to take this this job back from Prentice as well when he returns, which should be in two or four weeks. Two to four Hopefully weeks. before we reach uh I can do a super difficult part of the schedule. I mean, it's Alabama. Is there really a super difficult part of the schedule uh, when, yeah, when it comes really, to them? Like, really. they're going to score on pretty much anybody. That off- they, they have kind of perfected their offensive system and how to get down the field, so I have no problems there. Again, definitely to me one of the more surprising, and, like, I had a lot of people just ask me, like, how, how do you navigate this depth chart right now? And I'm just like, I'll be real. I don't know. All I know is that I'm really glad that I got Burton everywhere that I could. So, Chris, let's go on to your biggest surprise. What was your biggest surprise among all of the depth chart news? I would say most things I expected based on fall camp and paying attention to reports. I didn't think anything was shocking. Um, There were a couple of people that were surprised, but I I just think it was uh, people maybe not paying as close attention as we do because we're we're degenerates. But um, Kentucky starting two true freshmen at receiver is pretty surprising to me. Um, you don't see a true freshman start a receiver in the, a- the SEC very often. You really don't see it often, period. Let alone do you see two. Yep. And so there are a couple teams starting true freshmen, like Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, like really high-quality players. Yeah. Dane Key and Barry and Brown, I both like. I both think they're good players. But I was pretty surprised when it came out and Dane Key was the X. And – Barry and Brown is going to, um, I think he's outside, but I mean, they have a weird role yeah. for Tavian Robinson, which is like basically the Wandale role. Anyway, they're starting two true freshmen, and that is just not something you see in the SEC. I didn't expect them both to be in like starting without an or, like we talked about, but I, I mean, I was surprised, and I, I'm excited for this offense because I actually really like both players, and I really like Barry and Brown. I think he's pretty electric. Um I was lower on Dane Key, but he's been the talk of camp. So I think that was a really awesome surprise. I was surprised, yeah. but in a very happy way. Because I'm excited to get these guys in the field, man. Yeah. 
Denki did not surprise me. I have heard since spring camp that he filled a unique yeah. role for that offense that they've been looking for in a receiver for a long time. Um, He's a good ex. Mark, good Mark, ex. Mark Stoops talked him up, talked about how mm-hmm. he was a true deep threat for them to use going forward, and I said, all righty, he is going to be starting sooner rather than later for this Kentucky offense. Barry and Brown, to me, was the question mark. He had good reports, but I didn't really hear anything enough to tell me that, all right, he is going to be a definitive starter. Again, I think he's a better receiver than Dane Key is. But even still, when you already have somebody there that probably fills that role, who's been there in the system for longer, I was a little skeptical that he would earn that that early. But lo and behold, here we are. And now Kentucky has three, in my opinion, legitimate options at receivers. Now, Barry and Brown, Dane Key, they're true freshmen. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have to learn the systems as they go along and everything like that. So I'm not exactly expecting perfection but the upside of this kentucky passing game with these three being their pass catching options and will levis who i don't believe it but many people tell me is a first round quarterback uh, he'll he'll have the weapons to prove it this year if he is truly as good as a lot of people say he is and again i'm skeptical of that he has he has the weapons that he needs to do that Davion robinson is a great receiver Dane Key, Barry Brown, two very high upside receivers for him to utilize there on the outside. I'm legitimately interested to see what they can do this year. And I actually think they're going to have to pass more than they did last year. Oh, yeah. Um, they're fairly conservative offense, generally speaking. Um, the offense coordinator is now with the Rams. They brought in Rich Gangarello. Um, They lost two really good linemen to the draft. Mm-hmm. And they lost their offensive line coach to Alabama. I would not be surprised if this line struggled a little bit and they would have to pass more than they're probably comfortable with as they can't control the line as much. So you might see more production than you generally would see out of a Kentucky team, which is generally speaking pretty rush heavy. Yeah, and that add in the fact that Chris Rodriguez is going to be out for a certain time. That's another piece of this depth chart that was, I'm not going to say surprising because we all knew the possibility of him being suspended, but he's not on the depth chart whatsoever. So clearly not playing in this game this weekend. We still don't know exactly how long he'll be out, but clearly there is going to be a suspension now for him. And rumor has it that it will go past the Florida game in week two. I'm hearing about three to four weeks probably for a suspension for him. So if they don't have him and a guy like Ramon Jefferson or uh, Smoke doesn't step up for them, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Chris. They're going to have to pass a little bit more. And like I said, Will Lovis is going to have his chance to prove himself as a quarterback this year. Because that team is going to be put on his back if they can't run the ball. So, yeah. That brings us to the end of our depth chart discussion. Again, we could go into like smaller stories and everything like that. But we do have a time limit on this show. And again, um, you can look up almost all the depth charts out there. Again, nothing, not a ton of huge surprises here and there. Um, if you have any questions, absolutely contact me again. I should say my Twitter handle. I've been bad about that the past couple of weeks. I am at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. If you guys ever have any questions, just at me on Twitter or you can DM me. Either one of them works. And then Chris Moxley across from me is at Chris Moxley 19 on Twitter. He might answer you. He's a, he's, he's a little bit more. I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer you. Okay. Depending, depending on what your question is, I'll answer you. Don't, don't ask me about what I'm wearing. Those aren't the type of questions that I'm answering. I mean... We all know what you're going to be wearing. You're going to be wearing a Hawaiian that's shirt. True. Like that, that's that, true. That, that's, that's true. not a, that's not a question up for debate. So very true. 
All right, we're gonna move on to our second section here. And this is gonna be a, a weekly segment for this Wednesday show and everything. What I'm gonna do is every Monday, I'm going to put out a tweet. And I want you guys to give me the sit-start dilemmas that you are having in your league that are driving you the most wild. Like you're legitimately sitting there and you just have no idea which way to go on them. And we are going to pick two at every position each week to discuss. Again, initially I said we were just going to do the top five. You guys blew my mind with how many submissions you guys gave me, both in the reply to the tweet and in the DMs. If we don't get to your question today, I'm going to do my best to go back and try to answer you guys in that Twitter thread. Because again, you guys deserve to have your answers question as best I can. But we're going to go with the ones that we found the most interesting today. Again, we're going to do two quarterback questions, uh, sit-start discussions, two running back sit-start discussions. We're going to do two wide receivers, and we're going to do two flexes. No tight ends because nobody asked about tight ends. <laughs> so we're just going to keep it rolling here. I know, Chris, that probably breaks your little heart. It does a little bit, but they don't know they're missing. Exactly. So we're going to go ahead and get on into this. First thing, first up, we're going to go with a three-way quarterback discussion. We're going to try to keep these in terms of just one player versus another in the in the future. But I thought this was a good enough three-way that it warranted a little bit of discussion here. This one comes from at Where Milkshake on Twitter, and he is starting two quarterbacks in his league, and he is deciding between Dylan Gabriel, who is facing UTEP this week, Tyler Shuck, who is facing Murray State and Cameron Ward, who is facing Idaho this week. So Chris, what are your initial thoughts as you look at this matchup? Which two quarterbacks would you start out of these three? So Dylan Gabriel is the obvious, obvious one to me. I yes. trust the uh, that offense doesn't have any continue, continuity, but I'm honestly not that worried about it. I like Jeff Levy. He has familiarity with Dylan Gabriel from the time at UCF. I think Gabriel is a quality passer. I think they're going to want to pass lunch. So I like Dylan Gabriel. I have him as a top five quarterback this week in my rankings. I think that he could pay off at that point. Tyler Shuck and Cameron Ward, I actually have back-to-back. Okay. Which, so so whichever I, whatever answer I give here, I, I'm not as, as married to it. But I am going to go with Tyler Shuck because I, I have a little bit more faith in that offense to produce and Tyler Shuck to look good week one i'm a little teeny bit worried about what that washington state offense looks like and i listen i have them 10 and 11 or 9 and 10 so it's not like i don't have um i don't have like these guys outside my top 12 i think they're all three of these guys are top 12 quarterbacks um so this is a great problem to have but i i feel a little bit more confident if i'm picking between tyler shuck and ward to go with shuck in an offense that i know zach kitley is gonna throw probably 50 times a game 45 times a game yeah so here's my deal. We all run into this dilemma, especially early on in the season when our stud quarterbacks are playing cupcakes. There's always the question of when are they going to be pulled out? And I kind of thought about this, and I'll be real, I don't have a ton of data to back me up on this, but it's something I do want to test out this season. When you have a newer quarterback who has not started a game before for your team, you're going to keep them longer in these cupcake games than you kind of initially think they're going to be. Look at Drake May last week. I thought Drake he would, May theory. Yep. I thought he would be out by mid-third quarter at the latest. Like, I thought they were going to put him out there, 
especially with how much they're talking up Jacoby Criswell, I thought that they would have him in very, very soon. Drake May almost played that entire game until maybe like the last couple drives in the fourth quarter. So I'm thinking that that's not something you really have to worry about as much, especially with these three. Because all three of these guys are, well, Tyler Shuck isn't starting for the first time, but he was also not the starter to end last year. So he's going to need experience. So I'm not really worried about that much here. I'm with you, Chris. Dylan Gabriel is the easy start for me here out of these three. I'm actually going to go with Cameron Ward over Tyler Shuck. Because we have heard from the Texas Tech staff that they will be rotating the other two. Have not heard that from Washington State. And Cameron Ward needs reps. Uh, if he's going to perform well in the Pac-12, he is going up against the Idaho Vandals. Again, I make fun of the teams from Idaho's calling them literal potatoes in football uniforms. He's going to feast against that team. He, I think, is going to be kept in the game a little bit longer than Tyler Shuck will be because there isn't an obvious guy behind him that also needs reps. So I think I'm going to roll with Cameron Ward here over Tyler Shuck, even though probably week to week I'm going to like Tyler Shuck more. It's just this week, I think right now Ward needs more snaps, and I'm going to go with the guy who has more snaps this upcoming week. Again, the downside for Cameron Ward definitely still there. I could definitely see him probably struggling more than Tyler Shuck, but I think I'm going to, I would roll with Gabriel and Ward here. Yeah, I have them all really close. So, yeah. again, like, no, I, all, no all argument. These guys, all these guys are really, really close. So, I'm sure Milkshake will be. Pleasantly surprised to hear both of us give give them different answers. Anyway, yep. let's move on right to the exactly. Let's move on to the second quarterback discussion here. This one is just a one v one. This is from at Brandon or this is from Brandon Champion. He's at Brandon the Champ on Twitter. He asks Drake May versus Appalachian State or Aiden O'Connell versus Penn State. My opinion, I have Drake May very high in my quarterback ranking for this week. I would feel much more comfortable with Drake May, especially after the performance that I saw last week. Appalachian State is a very good defense, especially for a group of five school. I do not think that if Drake May is as solidified as the starter for this UNC offense as he is going to be, that they will be able to slow down UNC. Again, this will be a very high scoring game if it is a close game. This is not going to be a very low scoring game. So I think Drake May, if he starts the whole game, absolutely will be able to feast. I'm not as confident in Aiden O'Connell and Purdue doing that to Penn State. I see that being a much lower scoring game compared to these two matchups. And so that's why I probably would roll with Drake May just a little bit more. It's funny that you say that um, and your rationale, and I'm on the complete opposite end of this. So I have... You have him, Drake May, ranked 13th. I have him ranked 39th. Oh, boy. Okay. You have, um, where do you have Aiden O'Connell? You have Aiden O'Connell 29th. I have him 12th. Wow. We're just, we are on very different. Wow. All right. I, I'm interested to hear this now. So I did not like anything I saw out of the North Carolina line. I thought they were pretty bad. And, that was against a Florida A&M team down 20 players. This was not a good defense. This was not a good offense. And both sides of the ball struggled for North Carolina. Drake may look great. I will give him that. I thought he was excellent. That line did not look good. And that line is going to get a, go against 
a pretty good front seven. Josh Downs might not play. Josh Downs is still being evaluated. I don't know if he will. I think he probably will if I had to, you know, guess. But they have one of the best corners in that conference um, in Stephen Jones. And I think Stephen Jones is going to uh, possibly hobble Josh Downs. He could get shut down. Drake may like to use the, the tight ends a lot. They have probably the best linebacker in the conference. Um, Nick Hampton is really good. And I think he can cover either Kamari Morales or Bryson Nesbitt, depending on who's going to be the primary target. I have a really tough time getting on board with Drake May this week based on what I saw out of um, the offensive line and what I think Appalachian State's strengths are. And that's covering the two positions that Drake May likes to target. I like, on the other hand, I really like my guy Aiden O'Connell. I'm not worried as worried about this pit secondary. Um, we know they're going to pass at a top five rate throughout the season. Purdue, um, you know, they have a good safety. Jair Brown's quality. Um, I'm not worried about a safety really shutting down the entire offense. Yeah. And, you know, people seem to really like Joey Porter Jr. as a corner. I don't think he's very good. So, like, I, I think people are lower on O'Connell this week maybe than they should be. And, I mean, I think he's going to pass. I think there's a really good chance he passed for, like, 303 and just, just keeps it rolling based on what we saw last year. I, this is more me being skeptical of Drake May than probably me being all in on Aiden. Well, you're not even skeptical I really like of Drake Aiden. May from what it sounds like. It sounds like you're skeptical of the O-line and the options that Drake May has to throw to. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, to counter your point about the, the O-line and everything, I think that's going to force Drake May to actually use his legs. We saw last week that he can run if he wants to. If, I if just worry about to. them containing him. Yeah, I, I just worry about them containing him because I think that they have a pretty good front seven. I don't know. I just I, this App State defense I think matches up pretty well with what North Carolina wants to do. That it makes me real like I remember Sam Howell last year when the defense struggled that he just wasn't producing quality quality results until he started using his legs a lot more in the second half of the season. Well, again, maybe we see I, that from Drake May. I would say I would hope that Mac Brown would might might realize that that might be the direction they need to go if, like you said, their pass catchers are yeah. are struggling to get open. Now, obviously, this also opens up the realm of can Appalachian State slow down this running game that UNC is looking to build here with Amarian Hampton, George Petaway, DJ Jones, a lot of good options at the back there. If that is the case and UNC is good on the running on the run game, honestly, that makes me a little bit more fretful for Drake May than anything else because if they're having success there, they'll take the ball completely out of his hands and just run, run the ball down uh, Appalachian State's throat. Again, obviously, O-line's not going to help whatsoever. It's going to entirely be dependent on these very talented backs to get it done. So we'll definitely see. I get... Yeah, we are we are diametrically opposed on this one. So I'll be yeah. very interested to see see which one plays this out when is, I was like an idiot. No, no doubt this is a big test for Drake May. Again, as you laid it out there and everything like that, he is going to... Like, last week, definition of a cupcake game. Like he could have, he if he was if he was out there and they truly let it rip, he probably could have thrown for five hundred yards easily against Florida A and M. This week, they're going to take away some of his favorite options. He's going to have to be creative in where he goes with the ball. Very big test for a young quarterback. So maybe again, I have Drake May ranked higher. Probably maybe need to bring him down a little bit, uh, and probably need to bump up Aiden O'Connell a little bit because I thought that that Penn State secondary would be a bit more of a challenge for him, but. Who knows? It's Again. a good unit. I don't. I don't want to undersell it. It's a good unit. I just. I don't think it's as challenging as 
people think it is. People love Joey Porter Jr. I don't think he's very good. But so, that's that is one man's opinion. So Brandon, if you're listening to this, I would say that I think Chris has given the more convincing argument here today. And so I would personally, if I was just a listener to this, I'd probably go with Aiden O'Connell, just to be safe. I would say And when it, I'm wrong, you can you can get in my DMs when I'm wrong. Again, I, I can I can me. I can admit that Aiden O'Connell probably has a safer floor out of these two. Easily has a safer yeah. floor. So I agree with that. Let's go move on to some of these running back decisions. So this one to me is one of the more interesting week one decisions that anybody who has this player has to make this week. And I thought Fitfather at Fitfather with two R's on the end uh, made a really good um, matchup here for us to discuss here. Stud running back Lou Nichols III, running back out of Central Michigan, going up against Oklahoma State. So your typical G5 stud running back having to play a Power 5 out-of-conference team early on in the season versus a guy like Chris Smith running back out of Louisiana, a guy who is, quite frankly, last man standing in that backfield, very much could be in line for a heavier workload than we are used to a Louisiana running back getting. And he is going up against Southeast Louisiana, just an absolute, like, I forget if they're FCS or Division II. They're very, they're very much lower than FBS. And quite frankly, running like if you have a running back going up against an FCS school, they are the ones you are going to want to play. Yeah. Again, typically you kind of like you're a little hesitant about the passing games when they're playing lower division schools. Never worry about your running back because their running back, the higher division schools are going to want to run out the clock, get out of there. And how do they do that? They run the ball over and over and over again, especially when the other team cannot stop them. And so. A guy like Chris Smith is set up for one of his probably, I'm going to say probably one of his bigger weeks this week, unless they take him out early and they kind of rotate him a little bit more. But again, do you go with, this is a very good like case study in terms of a common dilemma that people face, even if it's not, even if you don't have these two players on your roster, do you play the stud G5, a guy you drafted likely in the first round, you sit him week one? in favor of another guy who just has a much better matchup or do you go with the old saying and just start your studs what do you think chris no i'm i'm not starting lou nichols over chris smith this week um that matchup is terrifying for lou nichols and i still have lou nichols ranked in my top 25 because i think that his workloads could be massive but man like that defensive line is a top 10 defensive line in the country that Oklahoma state defensive line is really really good they, i think they have three or four playmakers on that team that on that defensive line specifically that can get in the backfield, pretty much any play they want and rush, rush the passer or just dominate line of scrimmage. Um, And they get forward back from injury, uh, a great edge. I mean, this, this group is really, really good. When we saw Lou Nichols play a power five opponent last year, outside of Missouri, who had the worst rush defense in in one of the worst defenses. Yeah, definitely power five. Um, he played LSU and he went 12 for 18. Yep. I was, That's just, a lot more likely I was just about to bring yeah. that up. A lot more likely outcome than I think Chris Smith going for 120 and two. Yeah. And so I, I have Chris Smith rank higher, uh, by seven spots, but I feel pretty confident rolling him out above Luke Nichols this week. Yeah. This sucks. It's a, it's a sucky feeling 
drafting a guy in the first round and feeling like you almost have to immediately bench him because of a matchup. Like part of you just really wants to play him and say, no, I paid up for him. I'm going like, I'm going to get my worth out of him. Not this week. Not this week. If you drafted Lou Nichols in the first round, you know why you drafted him. And that is because when he plays in the Mac several weeks from now, and it is Mac after Mac after Mac matchup, you're going to probably, you're probably in line to win many of your games down the line solely on Lou Nichols' back. This is not the time. This is the time where you drafted some guys for early on in the season who had some really good non-conference matchups who are going to produce for you and hold you over until you can unleash your secret weapon there in New Nichols. I'm with you, Chris. In this kind of scenario, I'm going to go with the guy who has the better matchup and just be ready to unleash Lou when the time comes right for him. That's one of the nice things about drafting Lou Nichols, though, is that you know this is a matchup you don't want to play him. Like yeah. you're, you're fairly aware that you don't want to start him against a top 10 front seven. So, like, you have confidence. You're not, like, wavering on it as much. I still think he's a, a a playable option if you're, you know, if you're looking for a guy. Yeah. But this is an – like, this is one of the things where you can feel confident and not, like, waver about. So I, I that is at least a benefit of having Lou Nichols, in my opinion. I just like having knowing when you can start and sit a player. That's very true. Yeah, it, it, may, it definitely makes decisions like this a little bit easier. And knowing that – because you sat him one week doesn't mean you're going to lose value on the rest of the season because his value is going to come later. Yeah. All right. Let's go with another one here. This one is very interesting because it's a battle of two newly appointed RB1s for their teams. We got Micah Kelly running back out of Toledo, who's going up against Long Island University, a team so far down the divisions that Fantrax refuses to acknowledge their team if you look at any toledo player they are playing na this week and then on the other side of it you got ty evans one of the again one of the smaller surprises i would say of depth chart week he was listed by himself at rb1 for louisville it didn't get um and then you had jordan mitchell and cooley all sharing the rb2 role evans all by himself up there at the rb1 role he is playing Syracuse this week. So it is a conference matchup, but let's be real. Syracuse has never been really known for their stout defense. Chris, which way are you kind of heading on this one? This is super easy for me. I think it's Micah Kelly really easily. Okay. Um, I like Kelly. This Long Island Sharks is who they are. Uh, defense is, I assume, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised they're even a division one school, if I'm being totally honest, which they are in, in football. Um, I have very little hesitation about playing Michael Kelly this week. I don't want to play a little of a running back. I don't think there's any value in this position. Like at all, really. I don't think there was. So Jalen Mitchell started last year for this team and I was going through his game log before this and I could not find a game that I would have been happy starting him in 12 matchups, maybe against Syracuse last year where he went 15 for one Oh two. Didn't score a touchdown. That was his best game. That was his only game over 100 yards. It's like, I don't want this position. Malik Cunningham takes so much of that rushing pie that it really reduces the value of the RB1 in this offense, especially near the goal line where he is pretty much their goal line back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just not interested in the running back in this offense, period. 
But especially when they uh, on the opposing side, when I have Michael Kelly going against a team that I just don't, I didn't even know they had a Division One football <laughs> program until earlier this week. So that tells you everything I think you need to know about this matchup. But he's the true RB one for Toledo. Like, don't get it twisted. I think he is the RB true RB one. So I'll play a little devil's advocate here, even though I'm with you. I would pick Micah Kelly in this matchup, but I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Part of why so many of us avoided the Louisville running back room this year is because everything was headed towards a committee from what it sounded like most of the season. But now, lo and behold, we have had Tyon Evans, who has stepped up the last couple of weeks in camp, really kind of taken that number one job by the throat. And I would argue that Tyon Evans, at least right now, is a much better running back than Jalen Mitchell was at any point last year. And we've seen just two years ago, Javian Hawkins was an absolute monster for the Louisville rushing game, even with Malik Cunningham as his quarterback, at least until he got hurt that year. And so I think if Ty Evans truly has separated himself in the Louisville running back room and is a much better option for them as a running back one than Jalen Mitchell was last year, and I'm a big Jalen Mitchell fan this year at the very least. I thought he looked a lot better in the spring game. Everything said that he was looking a lot better, but Ty Evans truly has separated himself in that room. I do think there is some value. But I'm still with you. I'm still going to go with the running back who is facing a lower division school. They're going to want to run the hell out of that ball. He is a new starter, so they're going to want to get him snaps. He is not like a veteran that they know what they have with him. They're going to want to get him out there, make him prove himself out there on the field. I'm going to go Micah Kelly with this one. But again, I think this is a little bit closer of a matchup than you were kind of giving it initial credit. Maybe I was too harsh. Maybe, but just a maybe. I still don't want to. I still don't want Louisville running back till I see something happen. Uh, not to go into like the history of the development of Malik Cunningham, but I think with his the steps he's taking the last two years, it really makes it hard to trust running back in this offense. That's true. But, but we've also I am happy to be proven wrong. We've also both said that we expect some touchdown regression for Malik Cunningham, and yes, more than likely absolutely. that is going to come in the form of running backs in this offense scoring more and their new offensive coordinator Lance Taylor has specifically said that he wants to see more production out of the running back position for Louisville and so I I will take him at his word there I do think that this position group at the very least the running back room as a whole is going to be looking a little bit better this year so but even so Micah Kelly is my answer here all right let's go on to some wide receivers here so this one come. Oh, by the way, um, I forgot to mention the Micah Kelly versus Tyon Evans. That was from our good friend Mitch Hart at Ace Holes Rule on Twitter. My apologies to Mitch there. I completely forgot to give you credit at the beginning of this. So next one, we got wide receivers here. This is from at Sec Everyone, like S E C Everyone, two thousand twenty seven on Twitter. I just know him by Ben or Baylor Ben. You'll probably you've probably seen him. Uh, comment on my stuff before but or come on to my streams and everything he's been a long time listener he has put up marvin mims oklahoma wide receiver against utep or Jaden bray wide receiver out of oklahoma state against central michigan this one is a pretty close one in my opinion i like both of these guys i know which way i'm leaning but chris i'm gonna let you start here first um it's not that close for me okay i don't know I, I feel like I deal in absolutes, so I, I'm trying to avoid that, but uh, Only a this is pretty deals easily, in absolutes. I know. This is pretty easily Marvin Mims for me. Um, I think this offense is going to be really productive this week. 
I think the UTEP secondary is terrible. Um, I think they're a bottom five, bottom 10 unit. I, they don't strike any fair to me. And I believe Marvin Mims is wide receiver one. I don't think Jaleel Farouk is better. Certainly. Um, I don't think the Elise is better than him. I don't think he has a lot of competition for targets as the number one option. Um, I have him ranked wide receiver 17 this week. And I don't think I have Jaden Bray. I have Jaden Bray wide receiver 46. So there's a big gap for, big, for these big guys gap. currently. Yeah. So I don't think Oklahoma State's going to have to pass that much. Okay. I'm just like, they're going to control the game basically the whole time. I just don't think Spencer Sanders is going to pass really that often. And I think he is another good receiver in Brandon Presley. I think Bray is obviously the one. I just, I just don't see that same upside. And not like Oklahoma is going to have to pass a bunch, but they're definitely way more pass heavy in neutral game scripts than Oklahoma State will be. So yeah. that that's at least my thought going into this. And I, I definitely lean Mims um, as a top 20 option. And I'm a little bit lower on Bray probably versus consensus, but I just think that's how the game's going to play out. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Again, the men's was the way I was leaning this before, and you pretty much kind of solidified it already. Again, you mentioned the UTEP secondary. Austin Oney was able to pass for 236 yards and three touchdowns on this defense, on the secondary. There's no reason any team should allow Austin Oney to be that productive. And so that kind, of tells, that kind of tells you what kind of secondary you're looking at here with UTEP. Again, Dylan Gabriel, a new starter. They're going to want to see him throw the ball. They're going to want to see him in game action. Who's going to benefit from that? Their number one wide receiver, Marvin Mims. And I agree with you, Chris. There's a much bigger gap between Marvin Mims and the rest of the Oklahoma receiving group than there is between Jaden Bray and the rest of that receiving group. And that's why I'm going to kind of lean towards Marvin Mims here. Again, I think he's the most dynamic player, at least in terms of a pass catcher for Oklahoma. I think they're going to get them the ball and get it to him early. It has been a crime considering how little usage he got from Lincoln Riley during the past two years at Oklahoma. Like, dude, like, refused to put Marvin Mims out there for a, like, more than half the snaps, which is just crazy to me, even though he would make massive play after massive play. I think Marvin Mims is the way I'm leaning here. I do like Jaden Bray. I think he'll be productive this week. But I think Marvin Mims is a much safer play here. All right. I guess nothing else really to be said there. Again, thank you, Ben, for your submission. We're going to move on to the second wide receiver discussion here. We're going to go... Uh, this is coming from Robbie Alps, at Robbie Alps on Twitter. And he. this is a bit deeper. This is one I kind of like, because this is this feels more like a like you're at the back of your roster and you're like in a deeper league and or maybe you're in a, a league with more teams so your rosters aren't filled with all the studs and everything. You got Kanata Mumfield, wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, versus Jake Bobo, wide receiver out of UCLA, going up against Bowling Green. By the way, Kanata uh, Mumfield going up against West Virginia this week. So, Chris, which way are you feeling on this one? This is a really good question because I actually had to go back to my rankings and make and make sure that I was what I was saying was going to be right, which makes me not immediately, you know. Think someone has a major edge here so i do have jake bobo ranked higher i think that i prefer him this week i bowling green secondary isn't that bad they're they're one of my favorite teams like yeah. all all you know i i'm a bowling green guy um i just think they're an improving uh team and and i i really like them but they're missing uh davon ferguson who i think is a really good corner for them mm-hmm 
And if they if he was playing, I'd maybe feel a little bit differently. But I think Jake Bobo could tear this defense up. Like they might bracket him some, but I like really like Jake Bobo this week. I need to see it out of the new pit offense before I play anybody from pit. Is really yeah. my thought process on this. Um, I don't know what to think of Keaton Slovis. I don't think the West Virginia back seven is anything to write home about. I just really want to see what the target distribution looks like, what Keaton Slovis looks like before I play Kanata Mumfield. And I have, listen, I have Kanata Mumfield ranked 70th. So it's not like I'm not playing him if I don't have better options. I have Jake Bobo ranked 48th. Yeah. There's not a big difference at those two spots, just that that's a big clump of players. But I am going to go Bobo because I think he's a wide receiver one. And he, got, he really was talked up in camp a bunch. He's not the Kyle Phillips archetype, like the shifty slot receiver. He's like 6'5", like a big boundary guy. Yeah. Um, and he plays in the slot too, which is weird at his size. But anyway... He is, I think, the wide receiver one in this offense against the secondary that is probably going to struggle. So I'm going Jake Bobo here as well. Here's why. Better starting quarterback, in my opinion. More experienced yep. starting quarterback with the system that it is in. So I am not going to be relying on Keaton Slovis to get my wide receiver that I'm playing the ball. Again, I am with you 100%. I do think Kanata Mumfield might be the best offensive player that Pitt has right now. That doesn't mean they have a quarterback that can get in the ball. I've seen Dorian Thompson-Robinson do enough to feed at least a wide receiver one. Looking at the end of last year with Kyle Phillips, here are the last um, here are the last five games of Kyle Phillips last year once he solidified himself as the wide receiver one, which we believe Jake Bobo already has. Eight receptions, seven receptions, eight receptions, six receptions, six receptions. That is a volume that I will take all day, every day, into, again, this is probably a like your probably your third, maybe fourth wide receiver play that you're putting into your team. Probably a flex play as well, especially if this is PPR. I am very much more heavily in favor of playing Jake Bobo this week. In addition to the fact that again, they're the ones playing a group of five team. They're gonna probably he's probably going to tear up the Bowling Green secondary a little bit easier. The Kanata Mumfield will be able to pick, tear apart the West Virginia one. I am feeling pretty good about having Jake Bobo as my pick here. Yeah, ditto. So, all right. We cover quarterbacks questions, running back questions, wide receivers. We'll move on here to our last one. These are going to be some flex ones. So these will be wide receivers versus running backs. And I'm going to let you know whether each week whether or not the leagues that we're talking about here are PPR or not. Because I do think, especially when it comes to flexes, that is a very, very big indicator as to which way I'll probably lean most of the time. Because non-PPR, probably going to be more biased towards the running back option in a flex spot. In PPR leagues, definitely going to be more reliant on, or going to be biased more towards the wide receivers. Now, if there's a running back that also gets receptions, I'm definitely going to be pushing towards that way in PPR. But even so, let's get into the first one here. So, first things first. We got Mario Williams versus who is going up against Rice this week. And then you have running back out of Hawaii, Diedrich Parson going up against Western Kentucky. I have a, this one's not close to me. By the way, this is from at Blue Rapper on Twitter. I'm going Dedrick Parson all the way here. He very clearly looked like Hawaii's best player last week, even in their loss to Vanderbilt. Obviously, the two fumbles, not great. But I don't think Western Kentucky is going to be that kind of team that is going to force the ball out of his hands um, 
He again, this is a PPR league. So Dedrick Parson, absolutely a great pass catcher for this offense. He caught two passes last week. He has the upside any given week to grab five receptions in any given week. We saw that even against Austin P. Austin P was able to run on Western Kentucky last week. So even if this Hawaii offense isn't looking great, I absolutely expect Dedrick Parson to be able to feast for them. And so I'm very heavily towards Dedrick Parson here. I like Mario Williams. I think that this is the kind of game where he could go off in, but I've always been a big fan of Dedrick Parson. I've been higher on him than a lot of people, and I think this is the perfect kind of matchup for him to eat up in this week one. Chris, which way are you leaning on this one? Mario Williams or Dedrick Parson? Yeah, I honestly don't have too much to add. I, I think it's Parson pretty easily. I mean, I have him as a top 12 running back this week. I think the West Kentucky defense is very bad. And I think this is one of the games you can actually play him and feel comfortable. Um, I don't like the way that Mario Williams was deployed last year, and I don't think that's going to change this year. That worries me a little bit. Um, so I I have Parson ranked much higher than I have Mario Williams this week, even the, you know across respective positions. But still, not a not a tough decision for me to make. I would definitely roll with Parson, but I would knowing agree. that, like he said, he, he you could get burnt with a huge touchdown because it is Rice they're playing. Yeah. Um, I just feel more comfortable in the the uh, the opportunity share that Parson's going to have. Yeah. Volume is with Parson here. The matchup, in my opinion, is with Parson. Uh, obviously, Bryce against USC is probably a little bit closer there. But PPR, non-PPR, half PPR, I'm probably still going towards Parson here because I think he is one of those backs that could perform well in all of those leagues compared to a guy who's probably going to be the wide receiver too for his team this week. So I'm definitely more towards Parson here. So let's move up to our next one here. This one comes to us from at S underscore Ethan Coke. This is another PPR league. He initially gave us five players that he was discussing in terms of like who to play at flex. I calmed that down a little bit. I knocked it down to the two players, in my opinion, who were the most interesting to discuss for this flex position. You, two SEC guys here. You got freshman phenomenon wide receiver Luther Burden at Mizzou, or you have Raheem Sanders at Arkansas, who is go, uh, Luther Burden going up against LA Tech this week, and Raheem Sanders going up against Cincinnati. So I'll go ahead and say I lean towards Luther Burden, but Chris, I want you to give your full explanation here as to which way you're leaning on this one. Yeah, so I lean Burden as well. I mean, I really don't like if I if I have better options. The neither of these guys are players that I really want to roll at week one because I actually have a lot of questions about their their respective roles. Uh, you know, Sanders was used a bunch in camp as a receiver, so I'm a little curious to see how he's actually deployed this week. Uh, you know, Cincinnati is a good defense i think he's gonna they're gonna struggle in the run game a little bit um so maybe if he's used a receiver a little bit more that you know that that's a better option for him burden honestly seems to solidify himself as the wide receiver one heading into week one and i don't think this louisiana tech defense is any good no. I, I think you know missouri is currently a 30 or not 30 in like 19 or 20 point favorite uh unless it moved i think you can roll out burden and feel pretty good about it this week to be honest i i honestly 
think their secondary is not very good. But, um, I think they have one player who's interesting, DJ Williams, Williamson. Yep. But pff, I think Burden could just tear his, tear them up. So I would go with him. I really don't want to start either guy if I if I don't have to, just because I don't know what a true freshman is going to do week one, and I don't know what Raheem Sanders is going to do. This is my options. That's what I'm going with, though. Give, give me a second. I'll, I'll th- Just to be fair to Ethan, I'll throw out the other options that he listed there, and I'm going to see if I can find my tweet real quick so that he can hear what you might think of some of the other options he gave out. Hold on, i got to get through all my tweets that are about the depth charts. Good Lord. Uh, where are we? Come on. Uh, going farther back, going farther back. Wait, no. Too far, too far. Where are you? Uh, anyway, I'll give my thoughts real quick. Again, I'm definitely more towards Luther Burden here. Um, I think he is the, like, not just wide receiver one for the Mizzou. I think he is player number one for this entire offense. I think the offense is going to flow through him, which is very impressive to say, for anybody who is a true freshman, granted he is a five-star going to a smaller Power 5 school, so probably not as uh, probably not as impressive, I guess, as you would say, like maybe somebody, if this was a guy who was starting at Alabama and was going to be the guy early on. But I've not been the biggest fan of Raheem Sanders all season long. I have, don't think I have drafted a single share of him anywhere. Because, again, regardless, even if I think he's the number one back at Arkansas, I think they're going to split the carries way too much. That's just what they do. Uh, and so I'm going to take the guy who's going to have the offense flow through him. I'll throw out the other guys here for you, Chris. Uh, the other options he threw out was Devin Neal versus Tennessee Tech, Nicholas Singleton versus Purdue, and Skyler Bell versus Illinois State. I might lean Devin Neal in that scenario. Um, they get a pretty good matchup against Tennessee Tech this week. So, and I think he's a true RB1 there. Uh, I think he's listed as aura depth chart. See, that's, that's my thing. I might I'm, go Devin I'm, Neal. I'm not sold on Devin Neal being the RB1. Or like a, a sep- like separating himself from the rest of the pack. I've heard a lot of good things out of Kai Thomas this year for Kansas. And Lance Leopold, it sounds like, is really wanting to try to get to a more split backfield over there at Kansas. As much as I like Neil, I can't deny the reality of what I'm hearing. That's why I kind of yeah. left him off here. I'd rather have a guy like Luther Burden, who again I truly believe, especially with the calamity that Mizzou has at running back right now, I think their offense is going to flow through Burden, especially in a cupcake matchup like this one. I still kind of confidently say I'd go Burden. And I can tell you that I will not be playing a Wisconsin wide receiver in yeah. Bell. I so I'll be real. That's I'll be not real, ha- Ethan. That's not that, that that one I had to look up for a second because I was like, Skylar Bell? Did he mean like? Did he mean somebody else? And then I'm like, Illinois State. I'm like, no, that's Wisconsin. That nope, they have a, they have a wide receiver there. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form you would ever start a Wisconsin wide receiver, Ethan. I would I would find somebody else on the waiver wire. There's got to be something better than that. Yep. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of our sit-start segment here. Really appreciate all of you guys who, who uh, put something in the comment here and everything. I am definitely going to go back to all the people who we did not get to today. Again, I wish we could get to everybody here today, but we're already running long. We just did eight of them. We have like 25 
responses to this tweet alone. I can only imagine that probably grows as the season goes along if this is as popular as I think it might be. So really appreciate you guys. I'm gonna get back to all of you guys who I didn't answer. And I hope we, you guys got some good, got some good um, discussion out of this, regardless if these players are on your rosters or not. Because again, a lot of these I picked for the very reason that it is a very common mismatch or like they represent archetypes of players that you are constantly debating between in terms of a lot of these sit start discussions. So again, in the future, I'll be dropping that tweet on Monday. So absolutely be on the lookout for that on Mondays if you want to have your sit start discussions there in the future. Chris, let's get on to the final segment of today's show. And we are going to discuss some of the higher scoring matchups that we are looking at in terms of fantasy for this week. Normally, I would try to go for games with an over-under greater than 65, but this week with all the cupcake matchups and everything like that, either the odds makers were not brave enough to put out a over-under line greater than 65 for some of these teams, or the matchups are just so skewed they just didn't bother giving an over-under for a lot of these games. So I'm just going to go with the five that I think will be the highest scoring for this week. First, we'll start here with a game we kind of touched on earlier when we talked about Drake May. North Carolina versus Appalachian State. Chris, you've already said that you're not entirely sold on the UNC offense for this game. What players are you interested in this game for? If Josh Downs plays, I will obviously play Josh Downs. Yes. Um, I stole Drake May ranked as a borderline QB3. So in some leagues, you're probably rolling him out. Um, I'm probably not going to play any of the UNC running backs. I kind of want to see a little bit more before I uh, play them against what I think is a good defense in App State. Um, On the other side of the ball, I don't know who I want to play. I think you could play Cameron Peoples, and I think you could play Nate Noel if you wanted to. I don't like this UNC defense. I actually thought they were really bad against um, Florida A&M. Agreed. And I think they could be really bad this year. I think you could play both of them. I don't know that I want to play a receiver, though. I don't know what the target share is going to shake out. Like, like I like a couple of their receivers that they have. Um, Christian Horn, Christian Wells. Uh, my favorite target is Deshaun Davis, but I'm not playing any of them this week. Yeah. I, and I probably won't play Chase Bryce, the quarterback, either. So it's the running backs at App State, Josh Downs, and... I mean, if I have to, Drake May, but I mean, I don't, this matchup's just tough for me to decipher. I want to throw Bryson Nesbitt out there because I was very impressed with his kind of debut as a receiving option for the UNC offense last week. He was second on the team in terms of receptions and yardage, also scored a touchdown last week. Very much lives up to the reputation of being a very much a wide receiver tight end hybrid. I think they're going to utilize him a lot this year. I agree with you, Chris, earlier when you are talking about the linebacker matchup. That could be pretty detrimental for him there. But I think it's also a wait-and-see kind of deal with him. And he's available in a ton of leagues right now. He is somebody that if you really don't love your option at tight end, maybe you waited till the end of your draft and you just kind of picked any old tight end that was there, and you're looking for a guy that kind of going forward could be a guy you could play week in, week out, I don't think Bryson Nesbitt is a bad option. What do you think about that? I think I'm the lowest person on Nesbitt, so I'm probably the, wor- the worst person <laughs> to ask on this. 
Kamari Morales wasn't that far behind him. I don't think they can support two tight ends each week. And so I'm just wondering, like, what is how much role does he have moving forward against a non-putrid defense? I won't. I, I probably would not start him this week personally, but I do think he's worth rostering for sure because he's an athletic tight end who's mo- who's basically a receiver. So, yeah. I mean, you definitely should probably have him on your team and see what happens. If you don't have another option yet, you can play him. Yeah. I'm not rushing to play him over someone that I like. And one kind of bigger omission that you said in terms of guys you like to start this week, Amarian Hampton and George Petaway or any of the UNC running backs this week, you didn't say any of them. What's the hold up there? Um, what's the split going to look like? And I think App State is a pretty good front seven. Okay. Good enough to slow down UNC at least. Um, and the USC offensive line, again, it's really bad. It's like, can they control the line of scrimmage and actually get these guys more than like 60 yards a piece? I don't, I don't know. And so I'm not, I'm not rolling a UNC running back out. I'm pretty confident in the fact that Amari and Hampton will probably get the most carries out of the, out of the group and everything. Again, last week, I think it was a little surprising considering how, just how many more carries he had compared to everybody else in that matchup. Because like DJ Jones got the first carry, but then like it was the Hampton show pretty much from there on. And Petaway has some great plays as well, obviously. But I think if you're going to have a guy who, even in a matchup like this, maybe you don't like him against this D-line, he's still probably, again, if you expect them to do kind of what they did last week, he's going to get, like, near 20 carries, at least compared to the rest of the rest of the team. So, we'll I see. guess I'd be surprised if he had 20 carries. Like, I project him way more closer to 15. He had 14 last week, and that was with them yeah. holding him back. I don't – George Petaway got the more valuable touches is the concern that I have. Okay. He was explosive. He was way more utilized at the passing game. Basically for Amari Hampton, you're hoping that he gets like 100 yards and a touchdown. I don't know how doable that is because I don't think he's going to catch a lot of passes. That's okay. the upside that you're hoping for. I just – I don't think he's assuming as much of the backfield as people think quite yet. Okay. Because I think George Petaway looked good too. Yeah, so, I'm, and I'm a big I, 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 I'm not going to deny you there. Yeah, I'm also low on Mario Hampton as well. Like, I didn't, I wasn't super impressed. I didn't think look, he looked amazing, but like that's maybe a discussion for another day. Where I, mean, I thought he looked good, but they, not like Nate and I had this amazing. discussion two days ago, where it's like we all agree we think Petaway looks like the better back, but at some point reality sets in of the fact that they're give, they're giving these carries to Hampton. At some point, like regardless of what we might think about it, the coaching staff is clearly making a decision here, at least for now, that Hampton is going to be getting more carries than Petaway is. And as much as I do think Petaway is going to be the more explosive back, I think he very much fills that Michael Carter role where he's probably going to get less touches, can still be just as valuable week to week. But even so, I'll go with the guy who's going to get more touches probably. Yeah, Fantasy, fantasy I mean, is I... a game of volume at the end of the day. Yeah, I just I wonder who's going to get the more valuable touches is basically what I come back to, um, and I think that you can make a case that it's going to be Petaway, but I don't. That's why I don't want to play either. Like Amarian Hampton had 14 carries, mm-hmm. he did not have a uh, target, and I just don't know what the I just don't, I I have a really tough time playing him this week. I guess that's my point. I just mm-hmm. there. I think there's a lot of arguments to be made. Against against him rather than rolling him out. And I think most people probably have better options if I'm guessing, but I don't want to make that assumption because it could very well not be the case. He was very efficient with his touches. 
We'll see. All right, let's move on to the next one here. This is, to me, one of the most underrated games in week one right here. Houston Cougars at UTSA. The four-point spread. This is a 330 game on CBS Sports Network. To me, this is the kind of game where I'm not... I don't think there's any obvious guys that you would want to start that I would say is going that you might want to sit here. Because, like, Nathaniel Dell, I would... I probably start. I would still start him in this game. Zachary Franklin, gonna start him in this game. Frank Harris, if he's one of your top two options at QB, gonna start him in this game. Clayton Toon, if you waited on QB and he's one of your starters, I don't think there's anything really here to say that you shouldn't put him out there this week. The main questions I think for both teams are what's going on with the running back position, and I don't think either one has options that I'm truly in love with. Brendan Brady at UTSA getting that number one spot along with Traylon Smith, maybe, but they've been very clear they're not afraid of a committee approach this year. So I think it's the passing games or nothing here for this matchup. Chris, anybody else that you're kind of looking at here that you think somebody might be interested in? No. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, not really. I think um, Houston's defensive line is probably the best in the group of five. I yeah. think you can make that case. I think their defense is honestly going to be really good this year. So I don't want to – I'm not playing UTSA running back. I will play Zakari Franklin. I will play Frank Harris. Um, I will play Nathaniel Dell. I will play Clayton Toon. I probably won't play Tajon Taylor or Tajon Henry, who is the RB1 at Houston. I think if you're super desperate in like a really deep league, you can make the case for Matthew Golden, who is the true freshman starting. Um, True, but that's the I, nobody else I really have much interest in, and this is going to be a high scoring matchup. I just don't know yeah. where it goes. Yeah, which again, if we're if we're talking about that, like I think that also makes the case a little bit for Matthew Golden. Like typically, if it's your first game, yeah. you're starting and everything like that, you're a little bit afraid of just like, all right, he's going to have limited opportunities, probably not going to score. But if it's the highest high enough scoring game, there's going to be opportunities for him to score this week, and I think it'll be good enough for to where you're happy with it at the end of the day. I think it's very possible, especially in a PPR format, that Golden could get up to 15, 15 to 18 points in this matchup if he is utilized well enough. So I'm I'm with you on that one. The next question, I guess, is like, again, we said Zakari Franklin earlier. Do either one of the other returning starters at wide receiver for UTSA do anything for you or not really? Um, Not this week. Uh, I probably won't roll them out. I would probably roll them out in a better matchup, mm-hmm. but not this week. I, this, I just don't think this is the week to play him. Yeah, like Joshua Cephas, maybe he finishes wide receiver 62 last year, so he wasn't no slouch. But also, even so, Houston's defense, I'd say, is better than people give him credit for. I, I'm, again, yeah, oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're better at like knowing who returned, who didn't return than I am. But like I remember their defense being pr- very good last year and very good against the pass. So... I wouldn't be surprised if it's feed Franklin all day and just hope he can make some plays. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm having a pretty narrow uh, view on who I start in this game. Yeah, absolutely fair. Also, again, we're not a betting show, but Chris, I do want your thoughts on this. I'm kind of surprised this is only a four-point game in terms of um, spread. I am too. I'm not currently touching it. I probably would play it for Houston if it was uh, sub a field goal. Okay, but um, you know, I don't, I don't 
I think you're you're kind of no man's land at four. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think Houston's going to win. I just, I just don't like having it at four. I think they're a much better team than UTSA, though. Yeah. So, I, I maybe I'll touch it later in the week, but I don't really have a strong lean right now. Yeah, and it, like when you think about it, if like. I remember somebody said in the odds-making world that home field advantage is good for about three points on a spread. And so if this was flipped and UTSA was going to Houston, that would be Houston minus seven over there. And that feels a little bit more right. So I can kind of get where they're going for on this game. So, Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, I, I just haven't. Honestly, don't have a lean on it. Nope, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next game. We're not a betting show. Memphis versus Mississippi State. What an entertaining game this was last year, man. That was the game where Calvin Austin basically stole a touchdown against Mississippi State. Memphis actually beat Mississippi State last year in this game. It was just a wild, wild game. If you haven't, go look this game up from the last time these two teams played. It is a very, very entertaining game. Chris, how entertaining do we think this game is going to be? And what players are you interested in here? Um, how entertaining do I think this game is going to be? <laughs> uh, the spread's 15 currently, so I don't think that entertaining. I actually don't think I will play anybody on the Memphis side. Okay. Mississippi State has a really solid defense. Um, probably top 20 group, uh, kind of across the board. I think that they have strengths. I mean, they're secondary might be a little weak but you know i think that i just think this defense is really good i don't think this game could be all that close so i just you know i want to on the Mississippi state side i will start will rogers i think that's an obvious start yeah. top 10 quarterback i i am lower on both jaquavius marks and dylan johnson this week i don't really want to start either because i don't know if there's a ceiling above like 12 or 13 points that's generally what they're scoring. And so I don't really want to start either. I think you could start a receiver. And if I want to start one, I think it's Ra Ra Thomas. But I was going to ask again, you, like, a lot of people are on are on um, ducking this week. Caleb ducking. He is playing, according really? to the depth chart, that Z role that a lot of people have noticed in the past. That is kind of where the Mike Leach system kind of favors their receivers. I'm not super sold on it, yeah. but I'm, I, I was curious about your thoughts. I'm personally, I have told people, some people are like, oh, which Mississippi State wide receiver are you getting? I have touched none of them in over a month, pretty much. I was a little bit on Austin Williams at first, but I have noticed in the past that if there is going to be a clear number one wide receiver for Mississippi State, they tend to show up mid-season. They're never the guy that you see in week like weeks one through three. It usually takes a little bit to get going, figuring out who Will Rogers kind of fa- or whoever the quarterback is favors throughout the offseason. So I personally will stay away from all those guys in this game. I actually, yeah, I agree with that. I'll give one guy actually on the Memphis side that I might start if I am desperate. Uh, that's tight end Caden Prescorn. Yep, good call. Or Prescorn? I think it's Prescorn. Uh, if you're desperate, I think he's a guy you can start. That's a pretty valuable position and has been in the Memphis offense for a little while. Yep. He is replacing Sean Dykes, who, you know, had a good season last year. I think he was top 20 tight end. He was so a top six tight end. Oh, dang, man. I didn't even realize. Uh, 
yeah, I think that that's a valuable position if you're desperate, but I don't really want to play anybody else on the Memphis side because I just think this is good defense. I think Seth Hennigan might be worth it here because, again, I think he's going to get more volume than your, um, especially if Mississippi State takes an early lead and everything. Like, they're going to be forced to pass. So they're not going to run the ball like they want to with Brandon Thomas and Javon Ducker, which, by the way, I am completely off those two for this game. I would not start either one of those in this game. I think Seth Hennigan might provide some value here, but again, I think that is possibly a guy that you're looking at at like as your third QB option if you're playing three QBs in your league. I don't think it's somebody that you're confident starting as one of your top two guys, unless you're just bearing at the quarterback position. You just have to start somebody. I think Seth Hennigan might have some value here, but I'm not super sold on that. And I've heard more and more from the Memphis side of things that they're going to rotate at wide receiver. So I'm not super, I'm not rushing to start any of their receivers right now until we can actually see one of them emerge. I like Ivory. I've liked him for a while, but I have not heard him separate from everybody else there. So I'm going to hold off there. Yeah, I have Hennigan ranked 57th this week. So he's clearly not a priority start for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Let's go on to the next one. Got some CUSA versus AAC uh, matchup going on here. We got SMU, a 10.5 point favorite on the road at North Texas. This is a 7.30 game on CBS Sports Network. I really don't want anything to do with UNT right now with Austin Oney at quarterback. And especially since last week, it wasn't even Oscar Attaway or Ragsdale that got the majority carries. I think that that running back room is going to be, I'm not necessarily committee, but it's going to be a lot like the Coastal Carolina RB room where I don't think you're going to be able to predict which RB is going to go off. I think they're going to go hot hand. I think that whoever kind of makes some big plays early on in the game, whether that be Attaway, Ragsdale, or a DA, I think that... That's not something that you're going to want to try to predict, especially in a redraft week after week. All my focus on this one is on the SMU side of things. Tanner Mordecai is a must-start for me this week. I believe I have him top 10 this week in my QB rankings. Chris, you might want, can you look that up for me real quick? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I do remember having him very, very high. I am starting yeah, him have, in several you leagues. Eight. eight. So he's a priority start for me. I think he's going to absolutely roll in this game. Rushy Rice, if you got him absolutely worth it there jake bailey i've heard some people ask me if jake bailey's worth a start here i consider it i think you can probably find better options but even still like if you're desperate at wide receiver sure why not there's going to be an upside play here for that offense and then kamar wheaton looking like he's not going to play this week so if you're a kamar wheaton guy don't worry about that chris would you be interested maybe in starting trey siggers for just one week um yeah, I could be sold on it. The front seven <laughs> is really, really bad. So if we think that he's going to get the majority of the touches, he probably has 100-yard plus touchdown upside. This is so also sure. a revenge game, by the way. Siggers was a UNT running back. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this <laughs> the front seven they have is pretty, pretty terrible. So, I mean, they can run if they want to. And they actually had uh, – UTEP had success running against them. They just – couldn't keep it up because yeah. the game was out of hand yeah so again pretty much again like i said all my interest here is on the uh smu side of things clearly vegas 
thinks that there's going to be some scoring happening on the UNT side of things because again, this game was over uh, 55 points in terms of the over under, and it's only a 10 and a half point spread. So they think that UNT is probably going to get up into the 20s in this game. If you if you had a gun to your head right now, Chris, where do you think those touchdowns and points are coming from for UNT? Um, the running back room, probably. Yeah. And I still like Roderick Burns. Roderick Burns was, I think, their leading receiver week one. Yes. Um, I think he went three for 73. Okay. And so, you know, I, I, I think I have him ranked in my top 60. So, you know, I'm not totally avoiding him this week, but that's who I would play of the offense. But I mean, I'm don't want to, if I don't have to. Yeah, absolutely fair. All right, let's hit up our last matchup here. This is the midnight game, the true degenerate you're staying up for game. Of course, it's a Hawaii game, but they are playing everyone's favorite offense to speculate about, and that is the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Man, is this a CFF matchup or what right here? We talked a little bit earlier. I'm really big on Dedrick Parson in this game. If Austin P was able to effectively run the ball against Western Kentucky, which was a big reason why that game was even remotely interesting last week, because Austin P was able to control the line of scrimmage as well as they were and actually control the time of possession. I think a more talented back in Dedrick Parson, as long as he doesn't fumble, obviously, like he did twice last week, that wasn't great. I mentioned that before, but I'm really big on Dedrick Parson in this game. I am starting him everywhere that I can for this league. I think Western Kentucky, if last week's performance was anything to be indicated by, they're going to be one of those teams we bully week after week this year in terms of like, all right, who's the running back starting against Western Kentucky? All right, start them. I think that that's going to be the case here. Parsons going to have a big week here. He had a pretty good week last week against Vanderbilt. And so that's who I'm on here. I think pretty much everybody on the Western Kentucky side that you would think about starting, you should start in this game. Hawaii's defense is absolutely atrocious. Anybody who's able to put up 63 points, or anybody who allows Vanderbilt to put up 63 on them. Now, granted, some of those were defensive touchdowns, but even still, anybody who allowed Vandy to score that much on them and not really put up much of a fight is going to be somebody we bully week after week here. I Again... To me, there's not really much of a surprise here of who you start, who you don't start. I guess the other question would be, do we see a new Hawaii wide receiver step up while Zion Bowens is out? Chris, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, basically everything you said. Um, if I'm, I think you can start a Hawaii wide receiver this week. If I'm starting a Hawaii wide receiver, I believe it is Jonah Pinoke. Um, he is the primary outside weapon. James Phillips has more targets. Don't really want to target him as much. Um, he also had under one yard per route run. Jesus. So it's not a valuable role either. So I would par- target Jonah Pinoke. Um, I obviously Parson on the other side of the ball. I think that you start Corley. I think you start Davis. I think yes. you start Austin Reed. Um, I'm a little bit interested in like really deep leagues about Davion Irvin Poindexter, who's the running back for Western Kentucky. He had 17 and a half weighted opportunities last week. And yeah, like he only had 49 yards and 15 carries, but Hawaii Stevens is really bad. Yes. And if I have a guy who's going to get me 17 touches or 18 touches, 
I, he's worth a shot in deep leagues. Yeah. Like, really, like, I think you can play him. I'm not rushing out to play him. I don't believe I have Ram ranked at my top 80, but I do think that you can play him if you're really desperate. I'm going to throw one but, more deeper name out there, and that is Jalen Hall, the wide receiver at Western Kentucky. Again, he's a very, very talented wide receiver at Western Michigan before he transferred over to Western Kentucky. He only had three catches last week, but he was targeted deep multiple times. Never got the ball actually in his hands for that. And in fact, if you've watched the video last week, he had a target in the a deep shot to the end zone. And... It was broken up. It got a flag on it and everything. But even so, it clearly shows to me they want to utilize him kind of in the same way they want to use David Davis. Now, David Davis, obviously, the number one option. But if this game gets out of hand, if Western Kentucky just starts putting up points after points, would not be surprised to me if Jalen Hall is somebody that we're looking at the next this after this weekend saying, like, hey, he had a pretty good day. And especially in a deeper league where you're probably starting four, maybe five receivers if you're looking at flex options as well. Might be a shot there. You're muted, Chris. There you Thank go. you. <laughs> he actually ran the most routes of any receiver on the uh, the Hilltoppers this week. Well, there you PFF, go. So. Gotta love that. So, Chris, any more thoughts on this game before we finish up here? No, this is probably going to be a really high-scoring game. So, yes. I, I believe this is the highest uh, over-under that Vegas has for this week. Makes sense. And Western Kentucky favored by 16 and a half points. So. Also makes sense. And the unfortunate thing is we don't have a channel for what channel this game is going to be on. So we'll figure yeah. that out later. Anyway, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. Again, Chris Moxley, you've been absolutely wonderful. Again, guys, this again, this is pretty much going to be the breakdown of how this show on Wednesdays is going to be going forward. We're previewing the next week, talking about higher scoring games. We're going to bring up sit-start discussions that you guys bring to us, and we're going to try to make them relevant to other people who may not have those players on their team, but they represent a type of player that you might be looking at on your team. I think it makes for interesting discussion week after week. You guys let me know if that is something you want to continue. Chris Moxley, before we get out of here, first of all, again, remind people where they can find you, as well as the fact as what kind of stuff are we working on going forward as part of the Campus Canton CFF team? Oh, gosh, working on so much, man. Um, you know, we're rolling out weekly rankings. Uh, you know, I we dropped them this Tuesday for some Thursday games. Yep. I can't promise they'll be out early Tuesday morning or, or very early Tuesday morning, almost at midnight every every week. But they will be out on they will be out early and you'll have uh, early access to them. So that's that's fun. Um, you know, weekly in-season content is, you know, there's a bunch of it. I'm doing a lot of stuff in the morning show for betting and prize picks related. So check out college football mornings on our YouTube channel at campus Canton. like subscribe to that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, you find everything I do at Chris Moxie 19. I try to be as engaging as possible during the week on Twitter with CFF conversations and, um, you know, some values on lines and, and props. So it's, it's in season time. So it's busy, busy time. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to balance everything going on right now in terms of what we're putting out. I'm trying to get into the groove of when I'm going to do what for different different content. On top of everything else, again, my last year of Masters, so it's like, whew, got a lot of, lot of fun there. So again, really appreciate you guys, all of you guys tuning in. Really appreciate you guys as we continue on throughout the season. This is going to be a fun, fun time for us going forward. 
And y'all, week one games are finally here. Set your lineups and get ready for all the trash talking that's going to become. Really appreciate you guys and have a wonderful and blessed day.